Hey, it's Chris Jones with The Jones Zone, and this episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Jones Zone at Keller Williams Realty. That's right. We sponsor our own podcast. So if you know of anybody looking to buy, sell, rent, or invest in residential real estate in the Charlotte, Rock Hill, Fort Mill area, have them connect with us on their favorite platform. Enjoy the show. It's Chris and Brian Jones, your real estate advocates, community connectors, talking Charlotte and York County area real estate, and interviewing business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders. Welcome to the Jones Zone Podcast. All right, count me down. I was about to say, are you not going to have me count? Right. Yeah, count me down. Three. No, 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 no. What? From five. Yesterday was three. You know, are you going to do like the two... Like, yeah, we do, do like this. We do like this. Five. No, no, just we don't do, do it like normal. That. Do it normal. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Jones Zone podcast. Thanks for counting me down, Brian. You're very welcome. It's not really all that hard. But you got to make a big thing. Well, it is hard when you change your mind every episode. All from, right, you know From what? starting from three to, right. to you know, right. count down from five. I mean, make up your mind. You're embarrassing yourself in front of our guests. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, how's your day? Uh, it's still pretty early, it's, but yeah, uh, it's, it, it's it's fine. Yeah, no, it's fine. How's your day? It's good. How was your evening last night? It was. It went well. Uh, helped Andrea with a few things and uh, put the kids to bed it, it, early. So, so what's up? With, where are you at? Where are you at with Game of Thrones? Are you, have you watched any more episodes? Uh, no, I'm about I'm two. Good. I'm still in season two. Okay. Like episode maybe seven or eight. You watch Game of Thrones, Chris? I do not. Uh, uh. He's normal. It's hard to cross that bridge between... Uh, Is there a reason why you don't watch it, or you just haven't got time? Just haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's doable. Okay. So that's a much better excuse than Much saying, better than goblins and trolls like you did. He He's not into fantasy, but he's... Are goblins and trolls in this show? No, there's, there's, there's a little person, and then he tucks it... He takes How it. dare you? <laughs> There's dragons there, flying there are around. Dragons. Right? There so are dragons. to make the assumption that there's trolls and goblins and weirdos, there's zombies, right? Yeah, White Walkers. Yeah. Okay. So mm. don't, act, don't act like I'm ridiculous. <laughs> Anyways, let's get started, man. We got Chris Carrado of the Carrado brand. This guy's doing all sorts of cool stuff. The New York Life Insurance Company is with them, selling insurance and doing all that. And he's also my favorite part is a local comedian and an amateur boxer. So you're doing all sorts of crazy. Are you gonna live vicariously through him? Through yeah, his, probably. Through your failed stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you know Chris tried stand-up? Really? Yeah, let, can I finish? The, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. All right, Chris Carrado, welcome to the Jones Zone. Oh, man. thank Good you. To see you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having. So look, I gave a really quick, brief, generic introduction about who you are, but man, take a few minutes to just give us some of your personal story, your professional background, and then boxing and comedy, man. How you got started doing all that? Okay. Well, I'm originally from Flushing, Queens, which is one of the boroughs that makes up New York City. Lived there for 18 years and then moved down here. And I've been down here for another 18 years. Of course, I got really big into fitness as time went on. My brothers kind of got me into it when I was a kid and I just kept on with it with weightlifting and stuff like that. Um, And then I was like in a six and a half year relationship back in my 20s and it didn't go well. So I was like, after six and a half years, you're like, man, I got a lot of free time now. So let's just focus on me. So I went and did stand-up comedy, went to an open mic, was very nervous, and then I started losing a bunch of weight, and then I just really got into the comedy and the, the weight training and stuff like that. Uh, there was a gym called Omni that used to be around in Rock Hill that I started at, 
And the first place I did comedy was called SKNet Cafe in Charlotte. It's not there anymore, but that's where I got my start. And then I just kept, stayed consistent with comedy as much as possible, even if it was once a week or once every other week, just, just trying to hit open mics. And then eventually I'm like, you know what? I got into hosting and I loved it. I loved hosting open mics. And I'm like, well, maybe I should start doing showcases, you know, where I can get comedians who maybe can't get to the comedy zone level yet, but just to get 10 to 15 minutes of some time. Actually, my headline is get 25 minutes, which is time they usually don't get in big clubs, you know, to the, say the comedy zone just yet or laughing gas or places like that. So that's what I do. I book comedians. I make the flyers. I promote, get these rooms. Um, most of the places, there's no cover to get in. So sometimes you got a crowd that's into it. Sometimes you don't. You just got to do your best. That's what I tell them. Just, just do the best you can. Right. You know, it's experience. And then I ended up, while I was in the transition of doing comedy, I left my job at Pizza Hut. I was a general manager and then went to work at Omni, which was my gym. They got bought out by Gold, so I worked with Gold for a while. And, and throughout that course, I was training as a boxer with uh, Coach Mario Noviello of Light Bright Boxing. I've had four fights so far. I'm two and two. Every fight has been a 2-1 decision, so pretty much means I either just barely, I shouldn't say just barely won, but... I didn't get whooped, but I didn't whoop somebody. He goes to the judges, right? Right. Yeah. So I won my first fight, lost my second and third, and then won my fourth. So I'm back to 500. Awesome, man. So what stood, what, what stood out to me was, okay, so you're from Queens, mm -hmm. New York, home of the best pizza on the planet, and then you're working at Pizza Hut. It was, how was that transition? <laughs> well, originally, I just, I just went to work there because I needed a job, and I had a friend who worked there, so I said, why not, you know? Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, it doesn't taste as good as, say, going to a pizzeria. But it was, a, you know, it was just a job. It ended up becoming a career. It wasn't my planned career. Actually, my degree was in mass comm, journalism. And it was just very hard to find jobs writing for newspapers unless it's freelance or you're yeah. just that great at writing. So I said, you know what? I'm going to use my writing skills to write jokes. And then I self-published two books, too. Really? So that's what I did with uh, that part. I did do some freelance work. That's how I knew this police station was right here. Mm. I'd never been a guest in uh, <laughs> that sense. But I used to do the police ballada for the Fort Mill Times. So what that meant was I went to um, Morse Justice Center, looked up everything that happened in the, the county part of Fort Mill, went to the TUK Police Department, and then came to the Fort Mill Police Department. And I basically looked at some of the most interesting stories, usually, of course, drug-related stories, uh, prostitution, um, robbery, armed robbery, all stuff like that. And then I would just report on it. You know, we're always very careful to say so-and-so allegedly. Yeah. Because you got to be careful with stuff like that because that person can end up, you know, not getting convicted. Yeah. Um, Innocent until proven guilty, right? Right. So yeah. I've done that That's too. typically how it goes in this country. <laughs> Except for the public perception, I guess. Right. Um, so... What got you interested in stand-up comedy? Was this something that you were interested in as a kid? And you just... Yes. When you were I'm, an adult, you decided to act on it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I've always liked comedy. I've always liked... Especially some of the more inappropriate ones, like Andrew Dice Clay and Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just really enjoyed it. Now, whenever you hear a good joke, I was always excited to tell people, and it felt good to tell it. And I thought to myself, what if I made my own jokes up and succeeded with those? And I've had some really, I've had some really good times, some really great sets. I've also bombed before, too. It... Everybody bombs. You know what's funny about Andrew Dice Clay is uh, he used he, he that was just a character that kind of yeah. developed. Like he used to go on stage as Andrew. I think it was Silverstein or something. 
but then uh, he would do different impressions. Like one was like uh, Jerry Lewis, and then he did like an Elvis impression, and then the Dice Man was like a character that he came up with um, as part of the show, and then it was such a hit with the nursery rhymes and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. It became like the, his main gimmick. So that was, but I was the same way, man. Because, and we're about the same age, so I would hear those albums of course my mother would probably be terrified if she knew but you know i would go and and do a dice clay impression at school and just you know the kids would just laugh i mean it was so uh so ridiculous especially as like a seventh or eighth grader or ninth grader saying that stuff but um that's cool man what got you into boxing once again something else i always wanted to do and just didn't get into it until my 30s and i was working at omni at the time and this dude came in and, you know, he said he was from New York. And I'm like, well, cool, I'm from there. But he, he was actually originally from Rock Hill. So he did the opposite of what I did. So we started talking about that. And he mentioned that he's a boxing coach. And I said, you know, I've always kind of liked to learn how to do that. So when he was visiting his family in Rock Hill, he was just showing me some moves one day on the bag. And my now coach saw that. And he said, hey, are you interested in learning how to box? Because I'm actually a coach. I'm, I, I'm on gym. I'm like, yeah. And his gym, he started off just in his garage. You know, with heavy bags, speed bags, and doing conditioning and strength training outside. And uh, he wanted me to fight for the longest time, and I just didn't feel ready. But then eventually, I'm like, it's time to do it. I've been training for like more than two years now. Let's let's just get in the ring. So I did it. And I don't remember most of my... I don't really remember my fights very much. It's like you go to autopilot, just like that. Really? Yeah, usually you're very tense before, like the high levels of anxiety. I couldn't imagine the butterflies. It's, oh, it's, no. it's, it's, it's way worse than comedy. Worse. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you, you know, if you bomb on stage, yeah, whatever. But if you bomb in the ring, yes. yeah, that might hurt. Yeah, you get your face knocked in. Chris, remember when, when uh, me and Blair, Blair's my wife, we, we were dating and she came over to our parents' house and you and I were boxing and you were getting kind of the better of me. Yeah. And then I kind of gave you a cheap shot. Yeah, I, I do remember that. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was awful. I'm surprised Blair didn't break up with you like that day. Because that was a despicable It wasn't display. despicable. You, it, was, it actually wasn't. You hit me after the time went off. On accident. You just said you gave a cheap shot. So Chris, what kind of <laughs> boxers did you look up to when you were younger? Mike Tyson. Tyson? Oh yeah. Yeah, Iron Mike. Imagine getting hit by that guy. Uh, no, thanks. I'd rather not. Yeah. <laughs> now here's the debate. You know, you have people say, "Oh, I'd get in the ring and just take a shot for for that kind of money." You think you would do that? Yes. How much? And can I roll with it? Or have to just stand and let him go? If I could take one shot for um, <laughs> like if you get in there and it's an obvious dive, like you just get hit <laughs> once and just plop to the ground. That I would do. I would do that in a minute for probably a million bucks. Million mm. bucks, Chris. I want to ask your opinion. What do you think about uh, Mayweather and McGregor? Did you watch that? Yeah, of course. I I think McGregor did a really good job. He did a lot better than I thought, considering he was going up against Mayweather, got forty nine zero. But I think what Mayweather did was he just did what he does. He watched, he paid attention, and then just as time went on, picked him apart. Yeah. Because he's this is, you, you talk, guy does straight boxing against a guy that boxes, but he also has to learn how to do other things too. So when you start, other than boxing, doing kicking and grappling and wrestling and you know, all types of moves like that, it takes away from your boxing skills because you're not just focusing on boxing. So when you have to just focus on one thing, it can be very difficult because you're not used to practicing it as much as a guy who just boxes. Yeah, he really, in the sixth and seventh rounds, I mean, it was yeah. obvious. It was like, man, because we, we got it at my house. Brian was over. 
And uh, the first couple rounds, I was like, whoa. I was like, man, what if he actually wins? But then, you know, obviously, and, and it played out just like most boxing experts said it would, you know, right? I mean, it was yeah. just, he just kind of played it out and then went to town on him towards the end. So I thought it might have ended actually sooner, but I think Mayweather, I don't want to say he took it easy on him, but I think he, he didn't want to just try to destroy him. It was kind of like, you know, more like almost exhibitionist, like an exhibition type thing. Yeah. What are some of the things that you do to mentally prepare yourself for comedy and boxing? I mean, do you have any rituals or any um, performance anxiety relieving type of things that you do? Well, with comedy, I, I don't really get as nervous anymore. Now it's just I go up there. Even if, I think, even if I feel like I'm not going to have a good set or it's not going well... I just make I just continue to make fun of myself, do crowd work, make fun of them. So I really don't get anxiety about getting in front of anybody to do comedy anymore like I used to. But I, I do like to pray a lot of times before my set. Boxing, same thing. That I just you just have to go in there and do it. I can't I, I don't I can't get over the anxiety. Sometimes <laughs> it's like just please don't even show oh, this guy doesn't even show up. Mm. How long, how far back does it start? I mean, is it like well, a week before the fight you start getting nervous or a couple days before? Or? A little bit, but the day of is the worst. And it drags on before that fight. But once you get in the ring, it's like I go to autopilot. I don't remember most of my fights. Where are these fights taking place? Rock Hill and Fort Worth. Rock Hill. Is this a certain club that people can join? or what? Yeah, I mean, you could you can contact my coach and get training from him. And you can just do it to train or you could do it because you want to get in the ring one day. Yeah. And then where do you perform comedy around here? Everywhere from koozies down in Catawba. Koozies? What, yeah. What's that? I've never even heard of that. That is a, a ball way out in the country of Catawba. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's like you wouldn't even know it was there unless you were looking for it. And then, of course, you got Original Empire, the pizza place, right off the highway. You've got Luke's, which has been around a real long time by the hospital. Then you got the hideaway, uh, which is the gay club off of Mount Gallant. Those are the main rooms I've been doing right now. Okay. And then you said you... How do you find comedy talent for your shows? Like you said, you're kind of hosting, but how do you go about getting talent for your shows? A lot of it, people I just met from doing open mics. Okay. Whether it be in Charlotte or down in Columbia. Or I've seen people from Columbia and other places, Winston-Salem, other scenes come to Charlotte to... And then I'll be like, okay, you know, I think that person can do well. And then I just... I, if I have like two to four people on a show, I just look to nice, have a nice blend of diversity. I don't want to put all the same type of humor in one show because it's it you might not like the first person to go but the second person you know you might so it just really depends but mm-hmm. I try to I try to book it based upon um, I try to have my headline and actually have to I want to be my strongest person because I gotta go 25 minutes sometimes that's, that's a, a long time that's a long time, time yeah. that is a long time I heard uh, Ron White talking about how he thought Netflix specials should be only 30 minutes because <laughs> he he said who's your favorite current comedian uh, well, that's famous. I really like Cat Williams a lot. Yeah, Kevin Hart. Have you heard of uh, Mitch Head? What, what Mitch Hedberg? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He. I like. I liked him a lot before he passed. Um. There's also uh Gary Goldman. If you've heard of Gary Goldman, you should check him out. He's he's great. Okay. I like John Mulvaney. I think he's a New York guy. He might be a Boston guy, but he's funny too. What kind of comedian or what kind of material do you have and where do you get it from? Mostly my relate former relationships. Like making fun of your girlfriend and stuff? Or? Ex-girlfriends, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've had some very interesting ones. And like I said, a lot of the jokes I tell you might think, oh, that's just shock value. 
It is, but it's true. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into New York life, man. What are some of the things that you got going on over there? Well, I started there back in uh, January, and I thought about it. You know, a lot of people don't um, may not always have the best things going for them when it comes to getting set up for retirement. So I wanted to help with that. And I like the life insurance piece because there's a lot of families out there and it doesn't it doesn't hurt to be covered, God forbid something would happen. So I just try to get people just what we call some raw coverage. God forbid something would happen. And then eventually, you know, have them get so, permanent insurance. So what is raw coverage for the people listening who, who may need insurance and don't know what raw coverage is? Basically raw coverage would be getting a like I say a term policy which just lasts for a certain period of time. It doesn't develop anything cash value for like retirement. But God forbid something would have happened to you, whatever your death benefit is, your beneficiary or beneficiaries would get that money. Gotcha. Okay. What's the typical um, client base that you usually work with? I mean, I work with a lot of people in their late 20s, early 30s that are just starting out, whether it be with marriage, kids, or buying their first home. Yeah. What's some of the most common tips that you're giving to young people in terms of people in that age range in terms of getting started with financial planning and retirement? Well, most of them are buying just some term insurance right now just to have that coverage in case something would have happened. So most of, my, most of the policies I, I sell are term policies. Yeah. What are some of the tips that you would, would give someone that was looking to start doing that? Well, get with get, an agent. Yeah. Me, you know, I appreciate that. The best part about it is that we sit down, we talk, and you don't have to pay me anything. Doesn't cost anything to have the conversation, and you know it's just basically like anything else. If you don't know much about something, it doesn't hurt to have an education. So, for an example, I wanted to sell this guy life insurance. Like, well, I have something with work, and I asked him, if you leave your job, do you still have that insurance? He's like, no. I'm like, well, do you mind me asking how much is the the death benefit? He said fifteen thousand, and I said your two year old daughter will never see that. That's just going to be just to take care of any final expenses with you passing. So in my opinion, I feel like you, you need a, a good bit more money because if you're not around to contribute with your salary, $15,000 is not going to help. And then, you know, your two-year-old daughter, you know, won't be able to, you know, it's bad enough you're not going to be here. So it doesn't hurt to leave some money behind to help out with, you know, her and uh, the mom. Right. Yeah, because that basically just covered the funeral at that point, right? right? 15 How has working as a comedian and an amateur boxer helped your business life with, with New York life and what you're doing? Well, I'm glad you asked that. It actually, actually a lot of the people I've met from doing this are people that I've sat down and had the conversation with. And now some of them are my clients. Nice. So other than like mixing and mingling, I was, I was kind of asking more of like, you know, your personal development, like how is having that work-life balance and then also the, the boxing and the comedy? Like, how you mean like those? how do I plan my, plan my day? Yeah, that too. And then also like um, how they help each other or help balance out to make you like a complete person, I guess. Oh, well, definitely working out, it definitely keep, it makes me feel good because I want to I feel good when I go out and speak to people about certain things. If I'm all just like tired and worn out, you know, people are going to see that. They want to see someone who's positive, energetic, and ready to help them. So that helps, definitely helps me ease things. Also, comedy, just to, just to have a hobby or something more than just a hobby to keep you happy and see other people laugh definitely balances things out and keeps you well-rounded and happy. Yeah. Are there any skills that you use in both areas of your life? Well, I think from doing comedy, it's definitely not hard to get in front of somebody. 
I mean, if you can get in front of 20, 30, 50 people and tell jokes, get in front of just a couple of people and, you know, going over some... You know, public speaking is the number... Isn't that the number one fear that most Americans have? <laughs> I think there's like an old... Even over death. Yeah, there's an old saying mm-hmm. that they're... Like, at a funeral, they'd rather be in the coffin than giving the eulogy. So I would say, you know, getting outside your comfort zone, getting in front of, you know, speaking in front of all those people would definitely help you in every aspect of life. Yeah. Because if you can get up there and, especially, you know, with with self-deprecating humor, like you say that you do, uh, making fun of yourself, it, it would make it easier for me anyways. Yeah. And you got a lot to work with on that. I do. My yeah. nose is big. My head's big. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I won't make you keep going. Thank you. Uh, how did you get over that hurdle, man? I mean, when you first started open mics, SK Net Cafe, man, I've been there, dude. I did some open mics there, and it was brutal. I mean, it was what, maybe ten years ago or so. Yeah. And um, I just bombed so hard, and no, everyone just stared at me, and it was like the worst experience that I ever went through. I don't think I ever went back. So how did you deal with the rejection and of your fir- and getting over that hump of getting started and getting back out there? Well, I think when I started comedy, I was like 29. So I didn't have maybe say as much uh, what maybe people starting off in their late teens, or early 20s, like a cocky attitude. Like, I don't need to change or I don't need to listen to anybody. So when people came to me that had been doing it long and said, hey, man, you know, you should try this or you shouldn't do that. I tried it and paid attention to people, and I think that definitely helped with my growth as opposed to, man, forget that guy. You don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah, recept- you were receptive to constructive criticism, right. implemented the feedback. That's good. That's yeah. Good. Do you have a particular horror story that comes to mind? Like, I mean, have you ever bombed before? Then. Oh, yeah. The, some of the, one of the first showcases I, that I was ever on, like, it, I mean, the people just looked at me. I mean, it wasn't even, I mean, just like nothing. That's going to be a horrible, <laughs> horrible feeling. And it's like, you tell a joke and you see the punchline, it's just like, and they're just sitting there quiet. I'm like, is this thing on? <laughs> yeah. Is this thing on? So what'd you do to overcome that, to get back on the stage? You just told yourself, you just accepted the constructive criticism and went back at it? Just keep trying. Yeah. Uh, do you find that that's uncommon amongst comedians? Like you kind of mentioned it like, you know of young people that don't accept criticism and they just kind of fizzle out. Oh, I've seen a lot of people fizzle out, you know, regardless of their age. But I think me personally being older definitely helped with me wanting to listen and pay attention and be open to change. Mm-hmm. But I've seen a lot of people come and go and, well, in everything I do, boxing, um, comedy, New York life, and the gym, everything I do, people come and go. Now, is Omni the one that had the big movie theater and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And you, but you didn't manage that. You worked at the, you worked at it when it was Golds. I worked at Omni too, but I was never in management. Omni, I was um, did sales, and then I did sales for Golds too. But I also had stepped up into two different management positions while I was there too. Okay. So it's Golds Gym and working at Omni, those um, sales positions, management positions. How that? How did that help you uh, with New York life and when you're sitting down in front of a client and going over the services you offer? Well, I don't want to say that selling life insurance is easy. But I think more people realize that that's something they should do. Now, the gym is one thing. It, take, it takes, like everyone's a gym member in January and February. Yeah. because of New Year's resolutions. But most people start to phase out after that. Be, if you're going to go to the gym, it, it's kind of like a lifestyle in a sense. I mean, if everybody who had a membership went, that place would be so overcrowded. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's, it's something in you that you just want to do and be a part of. it. And if it's not a priority or it's not you... 
You're just gonna have the membership, either gonna have it and not go, or just not have it. But when it comes to life insurance, you know, how could you sit there and say, well, I don't, I don't care about my retirement or I don't wanna have any type of insurance guy business what to happen to me. Now I've had people tell me that, you know, they have small children, they won't buy anything. And I, I don't mean, I mean, I can't make somebody buy it, but most people, when you start to tell them and say, look, if you didn't come home last night, they start thinking differently as opposed to, hey. Is there a uh, general amount of money, like, times your salary that you should have, like coverage you should have? Absolutely. The best way I like to design a plan for somebody when I do a life insurance, I like to, first off, take care of any final expenses, funeral, costs, anything like that. Then pay off any debts you have, like if, like if you had a college loan or hospital bills or something like that, let's get that paid off too. Uh, if you have a car payment, paid off. You know, house payment. House payment, absolutely. And then if you say you want to leave some money behind for college, how much? And then basically I like to do seven to ten years of your salary. Wow, okay. So for instance, I just worked on a case. The guy said, I asked him, how much do you think your family would need to maintain its current lifestyle? Because you know, his lady is pregnant and she's going to have a baby. He said half a million. So based upon what he told me, I designed a case that takes care of his you know, final expenses, um, leaves enough for college, and eight years of his salary. So if something were to happen to him, that's what his beneficiary beneficiaries would get. Nice. Nice. Are most people receptive to... I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about that stuff, right? I mean, dying and not having your kids, but I guess people need to hear it, need to go through it. More people are receptive to, to that. I've had more, more success than opposed to the, the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I was thinking about when you were talking is, so now you're doing like a host when it comes to um, comedy and stuff. So do you feel like you're kind of like a boxing promoter of comedy? Is that a weird parallel to draw? Um boxing promotive comedy uh well i i do help my coach promote a little bit with the boxing but mostly the promoting i do is with the comedy but i mean like he he's he's they you know boxing promoters promote the matches and stuff so there's i think there is a i think there is a parallel I, i see where you're trying to go with this like so basically like you know you have boxing promoters who go out promote the fights and you're doing the same thing on the comedy side basically going out Print out the flyers, promoting, getting the getting the comedians to perform. Um, so that that's a good one. When's your next show coming up? Next show, well, I'm doing something. It's not my show, but I'm on it. It's Friday night. But my next show that I'm doing around here is this one here, Koozies. 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 How do you spell that? C O U S Y apostrophe S. That is uh, Saturday, October twenty first, nine p.m. Mm-hmm. And that's four eight two five. Curitan Ferry Road in Catawba, South Carolina. We have Chris Carrados hosting it. We have Cable Wilkinson. Cable. Cable. Jack Garland. Jack Jack. Jack Jack. And the headliner <laughs> is Tom Stover. Mm-hmm. Looks like an interesting show, man. And then... Um, and you got the band playing, too. Oh, what's the band? Uh, they, call, they call themselves Something Darker. Something Darker. They play covers of like uh, everything from like Doors, Black Sabbath type stuff. I love some Sabbath. What's your favorite band? Wow. Probably I was very big into Metallica. Okay. I like the older stuff, though. I really wasn't as big on the new stuff. Chris? Uh, my favorite band? Hmm. Three, two, 
one, the Rolling Stones. Okay, there it yeah. is. I, that's when you. you I mean, were you not gonna say that? You, you didn't. Did were you thinking I was gonna say somebody else or? No, I, I, uh, I knew. I know you like the Stones. I know you like the Stones. Yours is what? Coldplay? No. Backstreet. Yeah. Backstreet. Am I saying Yeah. The older I'm getting, I'm not gonna lie. I'm I'm comfortable enough to admit I kind of like the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Not, not I mean not by any means my favorite by any means, but you know. The songs on the radio, I'll, I might listen to it. I is, like Lady Gaga. Do you is, like Lady Gaga? Is that uh, the nostalgia coming out in you? Like, reminds you of your teenage maybe, years, kind of? Maybe. It reminds yeah. me of all the chicks I used to make out with listening to the Backstreet Boys and <laughs> Oh, boy. But uh, my favorite band right now, I I have to go with, I think I, I have to say Keen. I love Keen. Do they still make music? I don't know. I don't. Uh, Perpetual Groove, I love seeing them in concert. They're like a jam band. Uh, I've seen them twice already. They're amazing. Uh, but Keen. If they were if they, if they were to come to Charlotte, I'd be there. I'd be Man, there. how sad was that Las Vegas thing? You go to a concert and it's just like, I was just there two weeks ago. You know uh, that um, Triple G fight, Canelo. Yeah, Canelo and uh, who was the other guy? What's I can't remember. Triple G versus Canelo. Yeah, versus... I can't remember his actual. I just called Canadi him Triple Golovkin. G. <laughs> okay. Did you watch that fight? Sure did. How did you think of that one went? Well, I was rooting for Canelo Alvarez, but I feel like Triple G won. He Wasn't was... it a draw? Yeah, I definitely don't think that was a draw. I think that I, I heard that like it was a. Uh, it was pretty controversial. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, Canelo Alvarez didn't like get beat down, but I definitely think Triple G won more rounds. And what's the old adage? You can't leave it up to the judges, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, I walked into MGM and it was it was that weekend when I was there and I walked in and uh, they, they they were like in the lobby and they had like this whole parade. It was pretty cool. Like uh, Oscar De La Hoya was there and I was wow. just like, man, what's going on here? It's like, oh, this for me? Yeah. But uh, now they had like the Tecate girls out there. The who girls? Tecate. The, the beer girls? Oh, yeah. I know a few of them. No, I'm just kidding. Um, real <laughs> quick. Favorite TV show ever. Hands down. We like to get personal with our guests. <laughs> well, I'm going to say, let me just say three, but I want to say my favorite is probably The Sopranos. Okay. But I really choice. do love Walking Dead. Um, Tales from the Crypt, I only throw friends in there too. Tales, Tales from the Crypt? You don't remember that? With the I, Crypt no, no, no. I remember that. I'm just very surprised to hear that in anybody's top three. Tales oh, yeah. Horror is my favorite genre. What about? Do you ever watch? Are you afraid of the dark? <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. Are you afraid of the dark when you were a kid? It sounds familiar, but I don't think I watched it. I probably did. I just don't remember. Okay. <laughs> it was on Snick. Snick, yeah, Saturday Night Nickelodeon. Goosebumps, I remember Goosebumps. that. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. I remember reading the books when I was a kid. I used to love those books. I'm, I'm. That's why I'm glad you said that about talking about bringing up old school stuff. I the remake of it, I liked it, and what I really thought was cool is you know when they showed them as kids as opposed to doing the fifties like in the original, they did the eighties. Because I remember the 80s and being a kid. So that, that kid from It was on Stranger Things. Which yeah. kid? The kid from It. I'm sure there's more than one kid. The, so, I, I didn't see It. I don't know. Somebody told me about it. I think it might be Richie, but I could be wrong. Did you, did you watch Stranger Things? No, but I've heard of it. Okay. That's a good one. You'd like that. Season 2 comes out this month. It's okay. good stuff. Yeah. 27. Check it out on Netflix. Alright, man. So tell us about any upcoming events. People, where can people get in touch with you and just kind of spend like the last minute? Take us home, man. Remind everybody what you do, who you are. Well, you find look, you can find look me up on Facebook. It's Christopher Corrado. Or you can just do hashtag the Corrado brand, which is C O double R A D O. I also have a Chris Corrado agent with New York Life like page. Um, got a Chris Corrado on Instagram. So feel free. I always post up memes, jokes, promotions, 
all the stuff I do. You have you have two first names of Sopranos characters, Christopher and Corrado. That's right. I love that. <laughs> who's who's Corrado for real? Junior. I know. I'm just no. I'm saying for the audience, Junior. Most people yeah, don't, yeah. Don't I'm know. sorry. Yeah, I just assume that everybody who's listening knows and likes the Sopranos. So Corrado was the first name of Uncle Junior, Tony's uh, father's brother. Yep. Yes, sir. All right, man. Well, Chris Corrado, Corrado Brand. It's awesome to have you, man. Yeah. Lots of good stuff. Thank you. It turned out being more of a casual conversation about like comedy unboxing than yeah. But uh, that was good, man. If you need your, uh, if you need to get a life insurance quote, hit up Chris Corrado. That's right. All right, guys. Corrado brand. And if you want to see some comedy, that's right. Check it out. Thanks so much for listening to the Jones Zone podcast with Chris and Brian Jones. We'll catch you on the next episode.